If I were to ask you, what is the beginning of the Star Wars saga? Some of you would say, well, I don't know, you geek. I don't really keep up with that sort of thing. I don't really care. But some of you would say something like this. The galaxy is in the midst of a civil war. Spies for the Rebel Alliance have stolen plans to the Galactic Empire's Death Star, a space station capable of destroying an entire planet. Rebel leader Princess Leia has the plans, but her ship is captured by Imperial forces under the command of the evil Darth Vader. So she hides them in a droid named R2-D2. Now, if you were to tell me that, then I really would call you a geek. (laughs) Okay. But some of you know enough about the Star Wars saga to be able to recount the beginning of that first movie that came out in 1977. What if I were to ask you this question? What's the beginning of the Harry Potter story? Some of you, again, are not familiar with that story, and some of you don't care, but some of you would be able to say that the story begins with a boy named Harry who has very special abilities. And he lives with his aunt and uncle, their name, the Dursleys. And he's treated horribly by them for his first 10 years of life. And then shortly before his 11th birthday, a series of letters begin to arrive at their home, inviting him to enroll in Hogwarts. Now, what if I were to ask you, what's the beginning of the story of Jesus. And this is a story that is altogether different than the first two that I've mentioned. Because this is a true story. This is a story rooted in history and fact. And some of you would say the story of Jesus begins maybe in Luke chapter 1 verse 5, where the gospel writer says that in the days of Herod king of Judah... There was a priest named Zechariah, and his wife was named Elizabeth. And you would recount for me the story of the birth of John the Baptist, who later became the forerunner, the trailblazer for the ministry of Jesus. Maybe that's where you think the story of Jesus begins. Or some of you might say it begins in a place like Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, where we read, when his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, In marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So some of you would say, the story begins with the conception of the Christ child in the womb of his his mother, Mary. But then others of you may say, it begins in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, where we read, she, meaning Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Maybe to you, that's where the story begins. With the birth of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, in that smelly place where the animals lived and slept and ate. Maybe others of you would say, no, it begins a little bit later at his baptism, or maybe at his temptation in the desert under Satan. And these would all be pretty good guesses. But I'm here to tell you that none of them mark the start of Jesus' story. Going back to the other stories we mentioned, the story of the Star Wars saga begins long before that opening scene in that first film back in the 70s. 
You see, there's a lengthy war between good and evil that precedes that first scene in that first movie. And there's a dramatic family saga, as those of you who know the story know, that has taken place long before that first scene. And the details are revealed later in the story. And Harry Potter's story begins long before we find him living in that closet under the stairs at his uncle and aunt's house. It begins when he's an infant and he somehow survives an attack by the evil wizard Voldemort, an attack that takes the lives of his parents. As the first chapter of the book state, the first book states, he's the boy who lived. And then there are important events that pertain to the story that happened even long before Harry was even born. Similarly, God was writing the story of Jesus long before the arrival of Jesus as an infant, long before the conception of Jesus, long before John the Baptist came along to his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the gospel writers, especially Matthew, make us aware of that almost right away. They want us to know that this is not the beginning of the story. This is only the next chapter. Look with me in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Matthew especially is very concerned with letting us know that the story does not start here. It simply picks up here. That the story is connected with what came before. Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Matthew says that the events surrounding the conception of Jesus, he says all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and that connects with our word for the day, prophecy. Everything that I just recounted to you has happened in order to fulfill what the prophet said. The prophet in this case being Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, verse 23 of Matthew 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What Matthew is trying to communicate to his first century audience and to us today is that the events of this day and this time, as Jesus is coming on the scene, are directly correspondent with the writings of the prophets of old. There is a direct connection. And Matthew wants us to see all these connections. He wants us to connect the dots here. He wants us to see that this is coming about as a part of God's master plan. Look in Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 5. The chief priests and scribes, the Jewish religious leaders, tell Herod, he's asked them, where was, where's the Christ going to be born? Or where was he supposed to be born? And they say, they knew the Old Testament, they knew the Hebrew Scriptures, so they say, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And look just a few verses before, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And Matthew wants us to know that this this prophecy made hundreds of years beforehand has now been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. The prophet in this case is Micah. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, long before it said, out of Bethlehem shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And Matthew says, guess where Jesus was born? He was born in Bethlehem. And then look a little bit later, Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. 
This is when Joseph and Mary and the baby escape to Egypt in order to avoid Herod's decree to kill all the, the young males under two in the city of Bethlehem. And they go down to Egypt, and Matthew says in chapter 2, verse 15, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. The prophet in this case is Hosea. A little bit later, Matthew chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, this is about the infanticide that Herod undertook in the city of Bethlehem in order to kill the Christ child. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. A time of great weeping and suffering and mourning has come upon the people because the babies have been slaughtered. But this is coming about because of this prophecy. This prophecy has now been fulfilled. This one from Jeremiah. And then Matthew chapter 3 at verse 3, when John the Baptist comes on the scene... He's announcing the coming of Jesus. He's preaching in the wilderness. He's baptizing people. uh, Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Matthew says, This is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So Matthew is saying there's something special happening here. Don't miss it. God in this era is beginning to fulfill all of these prophecies. In other words, this is not the beginning of our story. And we could go on with all of the various prophecies that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. We could talk about even how his death was foretold accurately by the prophets of old. And what Matthew wants us to see is that this is not the beginning of the story. And so as Christians, we can't start reading at the beginning of the New Testament and think that we're going to get the full picture. Not according to the gospel writers, not according to Matthew. Matthew's saying this is not the start of the Jesus story. This is is the next chapter. This is really the culmination of many years of patient and expectant waiting and anticipation and looking forward to what God was going to do in the future. This is fulfillment. Paul in Galatians chapter 4 at verse 4 says that Jesus has come at the fullness of time. At the time that was just right. At the time that was appointed by the Father God Himself. Jesus has come at just the right time, at the fullness of time. So the New Testament wants us to know that Jesus is the grand fulfillment of the promises of God spoken by the prophets of God. And if you miss everything else in this sermon, don't miss this. What the New Testament wants us to know, and I think I've got it on the screen, That Jesus is the grand fulfillment of the promises of God spoken by the prophets of God. Jesus is at the center of Scripture. He's the climax, the apex of Scripture. Everything before points to Him. Everything after points back. Jesus is at the center of it all. And all of the promises that God made that He spoke through the prophets of old, they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so you can't truly grasp the significance of Jesus until you understand all that came before. And you have a lot of people who come along even today, and they sort of put down the Old Testament. And they say, well, the Old Testament is really not all that important anymore. That's the Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. And I agree with that. But that's not how the New Testament writers thought. 
Jesus to them was the conclusion, the fulfillment of all these prophecies and these promises that God had made. And we can only fully understand his significance if we begin to dig deeper into the Hebrew Scriptures, into the Old Testament, and understand the promises that God made, and understand the longing and the anticipation of the people that finally was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate this. Say that you were at Progressive Field in Cleveland, Ohio, on November the 2nd, 2016, and you watched... Live, as the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. And maybe on the Jumbotron there, they had the crowds gathering in Chicago outside Wrigley Field. And when they finally won it, the whole, it just seemed like the whole hometown was erupting. It was just a big mass of happy humanity up there in Chicago. Now, if you just showed up at this game and you didn't know anything about the journey to get there, you might think that the celebration was a little bit over the top. I mean, yeah, it's great that they won, and you know they won the World Series, but man, people are really freaking out over this. They seem to be almost too elated, too excited. You can't fully understand the significance of that moment when the Cubs won the World Series last year in 2016 if you don't know everything that came before. If you don't know how they came back from a 3-1 to deficit in the series against the Cleveland Indians, they were the first team to do that since 1985. You can't fully appreciate the significance of that moment if you don't know that they hadn't played in a World Series since World War II was wrapping up in 1945. You can't understand this moment if you don't know that they hadn't won a World Series since 1908. Since the Roosevelt administration, the first Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, was president. You can't understand this moment if you don't know how the legendary late broadcaster Harry Carey, and I'll spare you my Harry Carey impression this morning, had said in 1991 that a championship will come sure as God made green apples. Someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Now, if you don't know all that, and more, the full significance of this win is lost on you. And if you don't know all the promises and the prophecies that came before Jesus and were fulfilled in Jesus, then you can't fully appreciate his arrival. The full beauty and the richness and the glory of the arrival of Jesus is lost on you. I think Paul says it best in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 20. Listen to what he says. This is a bold statement. He says, all the promises of God. All the promises of God. And God made a lot of promises in the Old Testament. Promises of rescue, of freedom, of deliverance, of relationship, of life, of prosperity, of fullness. All of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Jesus is the affirmative answer to all the promises that God has ever made. They all find their yes in Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He is the fulfillment. Now, the New Testament helpfully explains God's amazing work through the prophets as we dig a little deeper into what's going on here, especially into the prophets as they anticipated Jesus' arrival. The first thing I want to share with you is this. And we're going to 
toggle back and forth between a passage in 2 Peter 1 and a passage in 1 Peter 1. There are two passages here in the first letter of Peter and the second that are very important uh, in our ability to understand biblical prophecy. So I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to start in 2 Peter chapter 1, midway through uh, verse 20. And what I want to say here is that a prophetic word comes from God and God alone. And Peter says this in 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1 verse 20. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was instrumental, vital in communicating these messages of God to these human servants. They didn't come from their own thinking, not from their own imagination, their own interpretation. It had nothing to do with the prophet's own thinking. It had everything to do with God's revelation. He revealed these messages to them, which they then communicated to us through the written word. So God and God alone is the one who is the source of prophetic messages, prophetic words. And then look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Here we learn that the prophets, and this is all very mysterious, the prophets were shown part of, but not the whole picture. They were shown pieces of the future, but not the whole puzzle. And they communicate those to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the salvation that we now enjoy through Jesus Christ, Peter says, the prophets, and he's speaking about those that we have already referenced, prophets like Micah, Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these that Matthew references in his gospel account, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched, they inquired carefully, they were looking really hard, they were trying to understand the message of God. They were inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So they were trying to understand exactly what, was, what God was communicating and when it would come to pass, but they weren't given the full picture. They were just given a little bit, which they share with us. And they didn't know exactly when these prophecies would come to pass and in what way, but they were confident that they would because God could be trusted, because, they, because God communicated these messages to them. To them. So they didn't know exactly how these promises or prophecies of God would play out, but they knew and they had the faith that they would. Now here's another amazing thing that we learn from these passages about prophecy. The prophets, even way back when, hundreds of years ago, these guys, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Micah and Hosea and more, what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, is that they knew they were serving us. They were serving those who would benefit and be blessed by the coming of Jesus Christ. They were serving those in the first century who believed in Jesus and received the salvation that He offered. 
And they were serving us, the church in the 21st century, Christians today. Isn't that extraordinary? That God gave them the ability, the knowledge, to know that what they were doing in their ministry was going to bless future generations hundreds of years from when they lived. When Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Hosea were writing, they were doing so with the knowledge that their writings would benefit us and bless us. They knew they were serving us. Incredible. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 is where we learn this. It was revealed to them by God that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Let me ask this question. How do the prophets serve us? We've been talking about the prophets. There are various prophecies that have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The gospel writers want us to know that. This is not the beginning of the story. But how is it exactly that the prophets serve us as Christians today? I can think of a few reasons. They serve us by inviting us into God's grand story. They remind us that Jesus didn't just appear out of thin air. He, just, he didn't just pop on the scene all of a sudden. No, this was the result of many, many years of looking ahead, of anticipating, of waiting, expectant waiting on this, the Christ, the Son of the living God to arrive. It's a story that began long before Jesus, and it's a story that continues today, and it's a story that we're part of today. And so the prophets remind us that God has a grand story that he's writing. Jesus is at the center of it, and you can be a part of it. That's how the prophets serve us today. But the prophets also serve us today by bolstering our faith with evidence. Joel is talking about Christian evidences on Wednesday nights. And he's reminding us in that class that we don't, though we live by faith, we don't live by blind faith. That our faith is backed up and bolstered by a lot of compelling evidence. What are the odds that Jesus would fulfill all the prophecies that are laid out in the Old Testament? I don't know what they are, but I'll, I'm going to attach a word to it. Astronomical. Astronomical that Jesus would be able to check all these boxes and fulfill all these prophecies. That, that he would be able to be the one who is the fulfillment? It's proof that he is. The fact that they are all fulfilled in him. And so our faith should be bolstered. Yes, we walk by faith. We live by faith. But our faith is not without reason and compelling evidence. And the, the prophets offer that. All of the prophecies that they made hundreds of years beforehand fulfilled in this one man. Incredible. It's beyond human reasoning, it should give us even more reason to have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. And the prophets also serve us, as Peter says, and I love this one, by reminding us of the grand blessings that we enjoy in Christ, blessings that are so grand and marvelous that even angels long to look into them. Did you catch that? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, the salvation that we're enjoying, the grace from God, Peter says, 
things into which angels long to look. Sometimes maybe we think, oh, it'd be great to be an angel. To be one of those celestial beings and to surround the throne of God for all time singing praises to Him. To be without temptation and fear. And... But do you know what Peter says here? Peter says, because of Jesus Christ, we are better off than the angels. That we enjoy blessings through Christ that not even they can enjoy. Things into which they long to look are things which have been revealed to us. And this great relationship with God that opens up through Jesus. We've got it better than the angels. And the prophets remind us of this. And they serve us in this way. They remind us of the grand promises and blessings that God told his people he, would, he was going to fulfill. And he did. And he has. And he is. Through Jesus Christ. Now let me leave you with this this morning. This is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Peter says, And we have something more sure. The prophetic word. The true Trustworthy, faithful words of the prophets of old. The prophetic word. 2 Peter 1.19 To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What's he talking about there? Until the day dawns? Until the morning star rises in your hearts? I believe he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. The second arrival of Jesus. When the day dawns. The day of the Lord. When the morning star rises in your hearts. What does Peter say? Until that day comes, you need to hold on to the prophetic word. To the words of the prophets which were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In this present darkness, the prophetic word is like a lamp. Shining and casting its light all around. And sometimes in this present dark world, we can become very discouraged and down and out. But what Peter says is the prophetic word should give us hope. Hope in what? Hope that God is faithful and trustworthy to fulfill his promises. You see, the story of Jesus didn't begin with his birth. It began long before that. But the story of Jesus doesn't end with his ascension into heaven. It ends when he returns and when eternity begins. And as sure as the prophecies about Jesus' first arrival were fulfilled, so will the prophecies about his second arrival, about the end of all time, the end of history. What God proves to us in Jesus is that he is trustworthy. He can be counted on. He is faithful. His promises are sure. He doesn't make a promise that he's not going to keep. And he made several that are fulfilled in Jesus. And because he fulfilled them in Jesus when he came the first time, we can know that the promises left unfulfilled in this world will come to pass when Jesus comes again. God has proven himself to be trustworthy. He brought about the fulfillment of those prophecies in Jesus. And because he did that, we can know that he'll fulfill the remaining promises, the remaining prophecies when Jesus comes again. You can bank on it. You can be sure of it. You don't have to doubt or wonder. He will. Because he's proved himself 
to be trustworthy. The promises about the resurrection, about the transformation that we will experience, about the final judgment, about the new heaven and earth in which we will dwell in the presence of God for all eternity. These promises need not be doubted. As sure as Jesus was the fulfillment of several prophecies in the Old Testament, so will these things come to pass through Jesus. God has said so. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come again? Are you ready for all the events of that glorious, grand day? If you have not been washed to have your sins forgiven then you're not ready. And I know that there are those who have yet to confess faith in Christ and be baptized into Him, and I don't know what you're waiting on. I hope that today, your time of waiting will come to an end. And you will come, and you will claim for yourself the promises of God which find their yes in Jesus. You can do that. By coming and repenting of your sins, Confessing faith in Christ and being immersed into water so that your sins can be removed from you so that you can be in a right relationship with God. Or if you're struggling this morning and you need prayers of this church family, we had a a dear sister come forward last Sunday morning and another one Sunday night. And this church family surrounded those two who are seeking to know the Lord better and to serve Him more devotedly Surrounded those two in love, support, encouragement, pledged to pray for them. This family of believers will do the same for you. Or do you need to become a Christian this very hour? Why don't you do that while we stand and sing right now?